Welcome to the Bob Siegel Show podcast on the Cross Global Media Radio Network. Visit cgmradio.com slash bob to subscribe on your favorite podcasting platform. I'm your host, Bob Siegel. Always good to be joined by my producer, Brendan Thomas. Hello, Bob. How are you doing tonight? Doing okay. How did the time change work out for you this morning to step forward? Yeah, no problem at all. I actually woke up at 7, so that means it would have been 8. So... Uh, I had no issues with it. So as long as it was on a weekday, you know, I hear that Congress might be saying that this will be the last time we ever do that. Who knows? Oh, no more daylight savings time. Yeah, they're trying to pass a bill this year to get rid of it. That would be wonderful. I'm so sick. Particularly (laughs) the hand clocks are easy. Adjusting my car. (laughs) It's another story. It's another story. But I figured out a foolproof method this time. I just left it alone in the fall. And voila, this morning it was just automatically sprung forward. I don't want to... It was amazing. I don't want to brag about my car too much, but it automatically updates for me. Oh, that would be it. You'd think if they could put a man on the moon, they could do that. (laughs) Right? So uh, a couple of things. Number one, congratulations to Jim Barrier for probably getting a college basketball championship correctly because he's predicted. Did one of Barrier's predictions actually come true? Not yet. It just came out with the brackets today, and I cannot deny that Gonzaga has a pretty good chance of winning. But I will try my best to make sure that does not happen, but (laughs) we'll see. Well, it ain't over till the fat lady sings (laughs) and Jim Barrier guesses the song. That's right. So in the meantime, uh, I want to say two weeks or three weeks ago, we did a review for a movie and I thought we should try that out today uh, since I'm here. And so we're going to look at the 1953 film from Henry Coster, The Robe. And if you guys recognize The Robe, we play the music every so often from uh, that movie. It's one of our four rotating theme songs. And a little bit of background, Brenda and I, since we do movie reviews once in a while, Brendan and I behind the scenes before and after the show, we talk a lot about movies. He had never seen The Robe, so I loaned it to him. Yes. And just a couple of weeks ago, he told me that he watched it, he loved it, and he wanted to do a whole show on it. Yes, absolutely. So, from 20th Century Fox, which is now owned, I believe, by... Disney, but I doubt Disney's going to put this on Disney Plus anytime soon, but it runs 135 minutes. Interesting fact about Henry Coster, he was part of the Hollywood 10. For those of you who don't know... Oh, the blacklisted. That's correct, yes. Back in McCarthy's days, or the McCarthy era, uh, there was a list of people from Hollywood that were designated as communist, and Henry Coster was accused of being one of those. Obviously, that's not true, and he has gone to direct some of my other great movies I've seen from him, uh, but there's a long list of movies he's that subject, quick sidebar, have you seen the movie Trombo based on Dalton Trombo? He was the screenwriter who wrote Exodus and Spartacus. No, I have not. But he was one of those Hollywood 10. Oh, okay, gotcha. Wait. And it's all about his censorship, and it's really a phenomenal movie. Okay, I'll take a look at that. Henry Coster also directed, here are the movies I've seen from his filmography, uh, what I've seen. The Luck of the Irish from 1948, Harvey from 1950, one of Jimmy Stewart's underappreciated roles, my I add. It's uh, my, my, uh, my, my friend, Her- Harvey. Who was the uh, Saturday Night Live guy that you said did a really good Oh, Dana Carvey. Dana Carvey, Dana Carvey a did a yeah, fantastic. Very good. Yeah. I, can't, I can't do it better than him, but he does a really good one. I've also seen Mr. Belvedere Rings the Bell from 1951. Uh, I own a copy of Mr. Hobbs Takes a, a Vacation. I had no idea he directed that. I completely forgot. And lastly, The Scene Nun as well, which is a classic in itself, too, I feel like, uh, from 1966. Uh, 
Uh, this film stars Richard Burton, Gene Simmons, Victor Mature, and Michael Rennie. The movie cost $4.1 to $4.6 million, and it made $36 million in the box office at the time. And is- anybody who's never heard of Michael Rennie, if you've seen the classic 1950s sci-fi, The Day the Earth Stood Still, Michael Rennie plays the part of Mr. Carpenter Clateau, who comes from the other planet. Oh, that's pretty good. I, I love that movie, too. So And does it much better than Keanu Reeves in that idiotic remake. <laughs> So, uh, overall, I I can't remember this Bible story entirely, so I'm just basing this off the movie itself. I was very, very entertained from start to finish of everything. The exposition at the very beginning was very quick and brisk, but you could follow it from word for word of everything of the background of the story that I was trying to tell. Because the people talked like human beings. They weren't talking with these and thous, and that was one of the things I liked about it. Personally, I don't mind if you put a text up there. If you want, if you want people to understand the background, uh, especially at the time in 1950s, I know that was probably a big thing that they would do is put text on the screen to let you know. Okay, so here's why. Here's our background of how the story goes. But the overall narration at the very beginning, fine enough. Just first thing that caught my eye was the cinematography. My goodness, the cinematography yes. is just amazing. Uh, the first thing that caught my eye was uh, Marcellus Gallio. Am I pronouncing his name correctly, I believe? Marcellus Gallio? Yeah, no, he's not a real historical figure. He was created for the movie, but you are okay. pronouncing it the way they pronounced yeah. it in the he's movie. He's played by Richard Burton. Uh, Excellent job. Yes, yes. Uh, well, I'll, I'll get to him in a second because I do have uh, some things to say about his performance. But Marcellus is walking through the slave auctions uh, seeing what's going to be up for bid. That one scene of the camera going above his shoulders and you're seeing all the action going across and being able to cut out the sound from one auctioneer to the next auctioneer in one take the entire time, it is really, really awesome. And I really applaud them for that kind of cinematography. Another cinematography, and I also think it's kind of symbolism too, is uh, Marcellus is forced to go to Jerusalem. And I almost felt like that's symbolic for him leaving his sanity as he was going away. It's a foggy thing, and his romantic interest in the movie, I'm trying to remember her name, uh, uh, Diana, that's right. Diana is on the pier, and she's watching as the boat slowly goes into the distance, and it's a foggy distance memory. I almost felt like that was symbolic of his sanity, because eventually, once he gets the robe from Jesus, that turns into him becoming crazy. Yeah, and it was very much a three-act story, because the the action's just nonstop, and the pacing's really heavy, all the way up to the crucifixion. And then it really slows down in Act 2, when Marcellus is recovering from the experience he had at Golgotha. Then, of course, Act 3 picks up again. Again, and lots I, of action and adventure. I couldn't agree more. Very with well, that. good way to pace a movie, by I, the way. I really, really agree. Another thing I wanted to mention, too, is I like how it's not so over the top with everything. Uh, a movie I was referring to while watching this movie was The Passion of the Christ. I don't mind that movie, but I think it's a way, it's really over the top in terms of the violence. Like, it really shows the details of everything. And I personally found that uncomfortable to watch, really. In this movie, it's one simple blood drop from Christ being on the crucifix. And that right there tells me enough, right there. Like, oh man, this guy's really suffering. And he's, you know, uh, having, and he's watching this guy pass away up there uh, on the cross. Well, Mel Gibson was trying to do something different with the passion. He just wanted people to see accurately everything Jesus went through, even before he went to the cross. I look at that and I go, that's a movie everybody should see at least once. I I saw, But the robe, I will watch again and again because of the beauty of the way it was filmed. I I agree. Okay, so now here comes the part where I'm a little bit iffy on Richard Burton's performance. I personally thought he was 
not crazy enough in this movie. I felt like his performances of being crazy or mad while having the robe have its magical powers on him. It was not very good. Well, he I, was so withdrawn and, and monotone of a character before that that I, I felt that by contrast, he was kind of different when he was going through all those things. But yeah, he was he was certainly underplaying the role. I, there is something to be said for underplaying, but he was underplaying. I will say too, uh, the way he was delivering his dialogue throughout the movie, besides him acting the crazy parts it felt like any other 1950s actor could have really said these lines because he's saying it in a very fast and direct way like most of those 50s actors did at the time so i was well that was one thing i liked about it though because he just seemed like all of us he seemed like a regular joe and the whole idea was this was really not a story about christ but a story about somebody learning about christ and we're seeing it all through his eyes okay that's fair enough uh the one performance i will mention is uh, Victor Mature's performance. Uh, he plays Demetrius, who is at one point Marcellus's slave, but eventually he they become friends. In yes, time. at the yeah. I thought uh, Victor Mature's performance is fantastic. Now you told me there's a sequel. There is a him. sequel called Demetrius and the Gladiators, and it's not a bad movie, but it's not the brilliant movie that the robe is. Would you say he gives the same performance in the second one, probably? In this He's the same person. It's a little more over the top. In the sequel, he falls from his faith because this girl that he loves, he believes she was killed by the Romans. So he falls from his faith and Peter returns and restores his faith. It was an interesting sequel. And Caligula, and the actor playing Caligula, is in that sequel. It's worth okay. seeing, and I'm glad they didn't call it the robe part two, but it's not nearly... I like Demetrius. Is it nearly as good as The Robe? No. Do you own a copy of that movie? I do. I can give you that one and you can return that one to me in six months. We'll we'll do the same thing we did with The Robe. Okay, okay. Well, I'll I'll watch it eventually too because I I really liked his performance. I thought in terms of when he needed to be somewhat over the top, uh, especially in his dramatic performances, my gosh, I felt like he was extremely Especially that scene where he said, I'll never serve you again, you Roman pig. And the storm. What a a dramatic moment. Really good scene. Yeah. Another scene I really liked from him was when he actually starts following Christ. When like, he saw him for the first, first time, time and he yes. said, I think he wants me to follow him. Yes. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. It wasn't is... the music phenomenal throughout. throughout it movie. was a great I mean, score. I, uh, the score was done by Alfred Newman. Alfred Newman, not to be confused with Alfred E. Newman, the editor of Mad Magazine. It's <laughs> a completely different Alfred Newman. Uh, he was nominated for nine Oscars. He was nominated straight times from 1938 all the way to 1960. That is super Did you ever see him in the other biblical? drama Samson and Delilah he plays Samson oh that's a fun one if you like Victor Mature you gotta see Samson and Delilah was was that also made in the 1950s Uh, that that was I believe that was also the 50s that was done by Cecil B. DeMille who did the Ten Commandments in fact it even predates the Ten Commandments oh really and it has all that you know you see the whole Colosseum coming down the the Philistine Colosseum this time not the Roman okay it's uh, it's worth seeing okay Uh, uh, also I just want to mention nine Oscar wins for Alfred Newman. This one was not even nominated out of that. That was insane to me because this music is fantastic from start to finish. Yeah, now the movie was nominated for Best Picture of the Year. Victor, uh, not Victor Mature, but uh, Richard Burton was nominated for Best Actor, did not win, Mm -hmm. but he did win that at the Golden Globes and the movie won Best Picture of the Year at the Golden Globes. That's correct, yes. Uh, Some other uh, scores that Alfred Newman did, I just want to point out the ones that I did watch. Airport in 1970, although I don't suggest watching that movie. That 
one is a very boring movie to sit through. The movie Airport? Yeah. Oh, I liked that movie. Oh, Oh, yeah. Maybe it's just me. Airport. Well, that was, you got to understand that was a huge bestseller novel. And, well, there's so much dumb stuff that's going on at airports now. Just thinking about an airport, I'm thinking about wearing a mask all day. So I probably wouldn't (laughs) enjoy the movie as much now. Uh, Dave Stahl, before you said, you know what? Traveling on the planes as of late has been less fun as a friend. I couldn't agree more. (laughs) I used to love it. I used to have an evangelistic itinerant ministry where I went all over the country and I loved flying on planes. I loved the adventure. I loved the excitement. There's nothing about it that I like anymore. I like, surprisingly, I like road trips. I like road trips too. My favorite is to take a cruise along Highway 1 all the way up along the ocean the whole way. I love love road trips. Oh, okay. Some other movies that Alfred Newman did as well was The Keenan Eye in 1956. I've seen that one too and that's a really, really nice movie as well. And lastly, South Pacific. I've only seen the musical. I haven't seen yeah, now of course, these musicals, King and I and South Pacific, it's Rodgers and Hammerstein that wrote the book and the music and lyrics, but Alfred Newman was doing the background score and, and the variations. And that's a very important part of a movie. Of music adds so much. Of course. So also I want to mention that Leon Shamroy was the cinematographer for the movie. He has four Oscar wins and 14 nominations, including this film. It was nominated for Best Cinematography for a Color Film. Back in the day, they separated the two categories for color films. Yes, because there were so many black and white still. (laughs) Yeah, Uh, but uh, some movies that I've only seen two films from uh, Leon Shamroy. Cheaper by the Dozen, the old one from 1950. That was good. I like that I do movie. like the movie, but I don't remember the cinematography being anything special, per se. But the one I know you and I will agree with a lot. He also did the cinematography for Planet of the Apes from 1968. Oh, I that, love the original oh Planet gosh. of the Apes with Charlton Heston. What like, a right, great right movie. Right now, I'm just like, jumping in excitement right now, just thinking and about And you that know movie. who wrote the screenplay for that? He didn't write the original novel. That was Pierre Bollier who right. wrote uh, Bridge Over the River Kwai. But the screenplay for Planet of the Apes was Rod Serling of the Twilight Zone. He wrote oh, that screenplay. I did not know and that. And he put in that ending about the Statue of Liberty because it was different in the book. In the book, he really was on another planet and he came back to Earth. But when he got back to Earth, Earth had been taken over by apes also. Okay. Was the author alive at that time by any chance? Uh, that's a good question. I do not know. Okay. He, he may very well not have been because he probably wouldn't have liked the way they changed his ending. But once oh, a novelist okay. sells his stuff to Hollywood, there's not much he can do whether he's alive or not. Because it reminds me, uh, there was a movie made in the 2000s called The Mist, I believe was the name of the movie. It was done by Stephen King. The original ending had the military save the family in the end. And uh, all the alien creatures in the mist uh, were killed by the military. But in the movie, it's done differently where they think the monsters are about to get them because they hear distant noises of uh, mechanical noises and stuff. And they're not sure if it's alien or something. So the husband says, I will go out and sacrifice myself. You guys need to go out. And uh, we find out that the other family passes away, but he's the only one that survives. And Stephen Keen actually likes that ending a lot more than the happy ending because it's a little bit more tragic in the whole thing. So it depends on how you it but still i don't remember reading the book too much i did re- i did read it but i don't remember the ending too much i definitely- as a general rule the novel's much better yeah. than the movie there have been a couple of times where i've liked the movie's ending better but i still feel that out of fairness to the author they should not have changed it right but the film of planet of the apes absolute classic 10 out of 10 
obviously would suggest watching. Oh, and Charlton Heston was the king of the disaster movies. He started with Plan, then he went on and he did The Omega Man, and he did Soylent Green, and just laughed all the way to the bank about (laughs) Earth's apocalyptic future. So, uh, other things to comment for the movie of The Robe. Uh, It also won Best Costume Design for a Color Film. Absolutely agree. Oh, of course. A a period piece. If they're not nominated for Best Costume, who are you going (laughs) to nominate? Right? So, uh, I only have two more cons, and then I I think, and I have one more pro as well to add to this. Uh, the other two cons, this one's a nitpick. The special effects are a little cheesy here still. I, it's, I, I didn't, understand. It's I didn't t- notice them even trying to do, spe- what special effect were they even trying to do? Uh, there is a blue spirit that goes into the robe eventually that you see in the movie. And I, I get it. You're so kidding. Should... Now, I can't even count how many times I've seen that movie and I've never noticed that. Yeah, I think it's supposed to be the spirit of God going in there. By and me. they actually show a blue mist going up. Yes, I did not notice that. Yeah, it's 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 very. Was quick. it so subtle that we're? Yeah, you know, exactly. Wow. It, but again, it's 1953. I'll give it a pass. There's another scene where both Diana and Marcellus are walking up the stairway to heaven, and it slowly transitions from them inside the palace to them actually going up in the sky to heaven. I thought that transition looked a little cheesy. because Yeah, and then they start singing the Hallelujah Chorus and yeah, everything. But yeah, but again, 1953, I'll give it a pass. It's, it's a nitpick beyond belief. The one, this is the biggest issue I've ever had with this movie here. It was Jay Robinson's performance of Caligula. Oh, you didn't like that? Hated it. Oh, well, I, I absolutely I hated it. It made me hate Caligula, but I guess that made me think that Jay Robinson was being a good actor. I think Calig- well, I think Caligula is a very complex character in himself. There was a movie made from uh, back in the 1980s. I definitely Oh, well, that was dealt more with Caligula's himself. sexuality and exactly, stuff. This I, was more with him being a tyrant. And even then, that movie is long. Like, I think it's three Well, then you may not like Demetrius and the Gladiators because Caligula in much more of that from start to finish, and he's even more over the top in that one. I, I felt Jay Robinson was chewing up the scenery like crazy. Buying today, Senator Gallio. He's, he's jumping up and down from the start. <laughs> he needs to be put to death. Oh boy! And then all of a Perhaps sudden, the emperor himself makes mistakes. And then I even closed my eyes really, really hard when everyone's doing the uh, "I'm Spartacus." No, I'm Spartacus. Basically, in the in the film where everyone says, "Kill him." Kill him, kill him, kill him. And everyone starts cheering everyone to uh, put him to death at the end for Marcellus and Diana. Because Diana later uh, says, no, if I can't be with him for the rest of my life, then I will be with him the rest of my life in, uh, up in heaven then in that case. So lastly, I will say that's really good is overall the production is fantastic as well. Uh, I wanted to give some set pieces uh, their due as well. Like, for example, every time they're into an old little living area where it's stone temples or even the actual palace itself where the emperor sits it is gorgeous my goodness like you said if a period piece is well that's not, why it won art direct that's art direction exactly right there. if yeah. a period piece is not winning art direction or at least nominated for art direction yeah art direction and cost it won it was a nominated for other things too but it certainly deserved those two wins that right. it got yeah it was it was a beautiful film interesting fact before i get into my grade abc paid two million dollars for its tv rights back in the day and it broadcasted its first airing during Easter weekend, and it had 31.0 as a Nielsen rating. That was in 1967, and I was going to share a piece of trivia. I watched that. I was in the seventh grade. I watched it with my parents. you got to catch this. This is a Jewish family. 
Uh-huh. And my Jewish dad explained what a crucifixion was to me for the very first time, really gave me my first education about Jesus, the same Jewish dad that was later going to disown me when I got into college because I became a Christian. Mm. So what did you think of it at the first time when you first watched it? Well, of course, the idea of Jesus dying for a sin, I didn't understand any of that. I didn't believe it. My parents had taught me that the Bible was a bunch of fairy tales, even the Old Testament, even though they were Jewish. But I, I found it very interesting. I was intrigued by it. And for a while, ABC was showing it once a year, and I always watched it. Were your parents They uh, were allowing me to watch it. Well, they just weren't worried at that time. At that time, they they knew that I loved movies and that everybody assumed I was going to go and become some famous writer or something someday. So they, they weren't worried because they just chalked it up to my love for drama and theater. Okay. Now, another thing I did like about the movies, I liked that you never really saw Jesus's face. I agree. And you you very seldom heard him. Not that we haven't had some good portrayals of Jesus, mm-hmm. but most of them over the years have been horrible. But also, if you hear Jesus's voice, how comforting is it, actually? I, th- I don't remember who uh, was the actor that played Jesus in the film, but his voice is just so, you know, inviting and very I think nice. the only time you even hear Jesus's voice is that one time where he says, Father, forgive them. They know not what they've done. I don't even remember hearing hearing Jesus any other time. I want to say there's one other time at the very beginning where he says hello to uh, Demetrius, but don't... I don't think so, because Demetrius went out of his way to say he didn't speak, only his eyes spoke. I Okay, so I might be wrong on that one. All I know is that his voice was actually very, very nice for the film. But I like the effect of who is this Jesus and, and relating to the people around Jesus. Now, I know that there's new productions like The Chosen, where I think the guy that does Jesus does a really good job. But back in those days, when you saw somebody acting Jesus in a movie, they didn't really sell it very well. So I thought movies like The Robe and Ben-Hur did a much better job. Another piece of interesting trivia. One thing I always love, Brendan, is looking at the original movie posters. Uh-huh. Now, if you go on Amazon or somewhere and look at the original movie poster, or actually you saw it in the DVD version that I gave you, because sometimes they'll sell a DVD with the original poster, and you look at the three actors drawn on the front, the woman is not Gene Simmons. Now, I don't remember who it was, but there was another actress that was going to play the part. She dropped out at the last minute, and the studio decided not to spend any more money ah. on a new poster. <laughs> poster. So on there, you're seeing Victor Mature, and you're seeing Richard Burton, and you're seeing some other Hollywood actress. I wish I could remember what her name was, but it is not Gene Simmons. Okay, interesting. I, I have to look at that poster Just a little oh. extra worthless, but no, hopefully no, interesting no. trivia. Yeah, uh, looking back at the ca- uh, cast, I want to also give a compliment to Richard Boone. He plays Pontius Pilate in the film. Uh, very good job. Very. It's very. one scene. It's just one scene. But it was very compelling and huh. very believable. Yeah, yes. He, he, He's tired. He's exhausted. He has to do And he's also so kind much. of underplaying. He wasn't too much over the top. I thought it was just perfect. Yes. Honestly. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I, I agree. He did a re- I also like Dean Jagger as the weaver, the person that was kind of in charge of that little village at Cana. Yeah, absolutely. I, I thought uh, Dean Jagger did an excellent job. And then lastly, I will mention as the interesting fact, too, before my grade as well, uh, it is the second highest TV audience for a film behind Key Name the Movie. Let's see if you Bridge over the River Kwai. That's (laughs) 60 million viewers during that time. We've circled back to Bridge over the River Kwai twice now in this movie with Pierre Boulier, the author writing Planet of the Apes. So overall, now personally, I like to do my film scores at a 10. mm -hmm. So that's me. I am going to give it 8 
8 out of 10. I think it's a very, very good film. I will suggest a lot of people to watch it for sure. And if you want to do it as a letter grade like you do, I'll give it a B. I'm, I'm willing to push it up to a B plus as well because, again, most of my stuff I really find are nitpicks. The biggest issue I had for sure was Jay Robinson's performance. As <laughs> but that's just a big yeah. nitpick in the whole kit and cabal of the whole thing. So overall, The Robe, if you could find it out on DVD because it's not available on streaming, you can buy it for $3 if you want. I'm not as enamored as streaming as everybody else because there is a heck of a lot of stuff that you can't find. And sometimes Mm -hmm. you find it and if you stop watching it, you have to pay again to start watching it again. Right. But uh, I would give it an A. And again, you know how critical I am. But if if there's a movie we're going out of our way to talk about, it probably means that I like it. So a lot of the movies you hear me talk about on this show, I like. But that's compared to tons and tons (laughs) and almost anything made today that I don't like. So yeah, if you can find it on DVD, I don't know if it's on blu-ray i'll have to check that but if you can find i it would on like DVD, to get it on blu-ray because oh, that I would, would be too. blu-ray looks so much better than dvd i agree 100 so if you can find it on dvd i would say i highly highly suggest you should go out and find it if it's going to be available on streaming watch it as many times as you can there if you want uh because i'm personally a streaming guy myself because it's just right there in front of you but i totally understand if you're not if you're old school if you can find a vhs copy and you have a vhs player still uh blow off the it's dust worth first. seeing no matter how you no watch matter it. how you watch it yeah well unfortunately we did have one more topic but unfortunately we are at the end of our program bob so thank okay, you so much well, for we'll this pick great it up. Movie oh that was you. fun i'm yeah. glad you wanted to do it and I, I love talking about these classics okay yeah. folks we will see you next time this is bob siegel and brendan thomas making the obvious obvious the bob siegel show podcast is a production of bob siegel and cross global media Visit us online and subscribe to the show at cgmradio.com slash bob.